Wellness Force Radio. Feelings are essential, but they can't dictate our actions. We literally infect each other with our emotions. We came here for a special purpose. Let the purpose unveil itself. Knowing without doing is the same thing as not knowing. They're not just trackers. I'm going to wear this and it's going to help me do the right thing. Wellness Force Radio, episode 133 with Alwyn Cosgrove. It all starts with people. And if you can reach a person and you can take that person and you can make everything in their life better, you can make them move better, feel better, perform better, and just everything about them function at a slightly higher level, like a slight upgrade, then you can impact that person. And then you can impact that family in that small town or that small business or that large business or that sports team or that government. And you can impact these people and you can change the world. What's up, my friend? It's your host, Josh Trent. And welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. In this episode, I got to have an in-depth and connected conversation with one of my original mentors in the fitness industry, Alwyn Cosgrove, who, as luck would have it, I just happened to run into last week in Lake Tahoe at the Spartan Race to thank him personally for coming on the show. Now, if you don't know Alwyn, he is considered to many in the fitness industry to be the godfather of fitness. He was born and raised in Scotland, initially exposed to fitness training through martial arts. He's authored several of the country's leading publications, including being a regular contributor to Men's Health magazine. Alwyn is such a stand-up human being. He has been through so much, which he shares, including his bout with cancer, what it really takes to uncover our deepest why, exploring the core motivations so that we can remain consistent, and visualization techniques he used to recover from chemotherapy, as well as so many gold nuggets around exercise programming, effective exercise types to increase metabolism, and the power of mindset. When it comes to optimal wellness, we also explore what he believes is the biggest myth around cardiovascular training in this episode. Let's step right in with Alwyn Cosgrove. My guest today is Alwyn Cosgrove, fitness coach, gym owner, entrepreneur, cancer survivor, and mentor to so many in our health and fitness world. Alwyn, welcome to Wellness Force Radio. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Thank you so much, man. We talked just for a tad before we recorded. I told you in 2005, 2006, you were one of the people that I always respected in our space. And it was when I was my first two years as a trainer. So this is such an honor, such a great opportunity to get your wisdom out to the Wellness Force radio audience. I want to drop right into your story. But for people that might not know you, Alwyn, can you share with us something fun or unique that you don't normally talk about on social media or on podcasts? What's something fun about you that most of us don't know, man? I know more about the sport of boxing than I know about fitness or business. Interesting. And that was because you had a lot of martial arts training. I mean, you had an intense competitive background. I like the UFC. I like martial arts contests, but it, boxing is so simplistic and there's only really four techniques. So it's absolute mastery of the body when you look at it. And I'm such a huge fan of it. Like for years, I had at the Mexican sports channel uh, on my TV package at home because they had a lot of boxing and I can't speak Spanish, but I can speak boxing. I'm a superhero comic geek to a little bit and uh, I don't think I could monetize my boxing knowledge other than maybe writing articles or, or something like that. But I feel like I know that's something nobody knows about me really is I think I know more about that than I do about training or business, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So many people know you, you know, one of the top America's gyms voted by men's health magazine. You're the author of five books. How many books have you actually published now in 2017? How many is the count? 
I've done, I did six with Lou and I've contributed to another um, three, I think, in Neuros Lifting, Female Abs, Life, Supercharged and Strong were the ones that I did with Lou. And then I did three, I wrote a chapter in, in three different ones. And I've got a couple of self-published ones myself. And cool thing is I, I, I never got a copy yet, but a strong book just came out in Chinese, which is kind of cool. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. I'd like to get a copy of that. That would be kind of cool. So uh, yeah, I think so nine, six that I'm really, I, I would say I was involved in, three that I had a chapter in. And then in today's world, the self-published ones count, but I'm kind of old school like that. Like a real book publisher picks you up and publish it, that counts. You you doing it and binding it yourself and selling it on your own website, yeah, that's all right. And I'm not going to put anybody down for that, but it is, that's a little different. We've had a lot of questions come in, Alwyn, around steady state cardio, HIT training. When we had Scott Airedell on the show, we went into depth on HIT training. But with your research, with your expertise, I really want to dig into that. Before we go there, can you tell us a little bit about who you are right now in our fitness and wellness world? I mean, what do you do, man? Why do you do it? Well, there's a, a great book by Simon Sinek that I hope all your listeners have, have already heard of. It's called Start With Why. And the whole idea is that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And I, I truly have a belief, Josh, that that if we look at everything in our world, everything from every town, every family, every small business, every large business, every sports team, every government, everything, it's just a collection of people. It all starts with people. And if you can reach a person and you can take that person and you can make everything in their life better, you can make them move better, feel better, perform better, and just everything about them function at a slightly higher level, like a slight upgrade, then you can impact that person. And then you can impact that family in that small town or that small business or that large business or that sports team or that government. Mm. And you can impact these people and you can change the world. And we do that through smart exercise, good nutrition and strong social support. And we call that results fitness. And that's what we do. That's my model for for my day-to-day stuff is that on a small level, I think we can change the world. Mm. I think fitness professionals are the single most valuable health resource going forward. Uh, Good ones, obviously, the people listening to this podcast are good ones because they take time out of their downtime to better themselves and listen to some stuff. So I believe then that all this debate about the Affordable Care Act and healthcare and stuff in, in the US, it's not about healthcare, it's about sick care. It doesn't kick in when you're healthy. It kicks in when you're sick. We're on the front line of health care. And some personal trainers are making you know, $25,000 a year. We sh- they should be the highest paid. And that's why my sort of consulting business and business coaching part of this came up is that I feel they deserve to be compensated for being awesome people and doing awesome work. So that's what I do on a day. Just something small. Just try to change the world one person at a time. Yeah. And I so resonate with what you said. I mean, I'm thinking back to my first three to five years of training. I felt like I had the weight of the world in my back. I was like, I have to help as many people as possible. I was training yeah. 10 sessions a day, just burning myself out. But one thing that stuck in my memory as I researched for our show today, you said on a Barbell Business interview that when you were first starting results, your why was to help that person that doesn't get help beyond just the athlete. Can you go into that a little bit? Well, I think sports never been better, right? Like I think when you look at Usain Bolt, he's he's breaking world records. The the squat world record is very recent. You know, the eight hundred meters or the four hundred meter track record just went like sports at its all time best. And we look at strength coaches and go, Wow, these guys are amazing. Look at all the stuff they're doing. Yeah, we're in the middle of an obesity epidemic in this country. We're failing the masses. As a global score, the United States is getting worse. 
like we're getting worse shape and worse shape and worse shape. Like, yeah. so we're we're failing. Like, and we're arguing is which is better. CrossFit or P90X. Well, the scorecards in. We lost. People are getting in worse shape. People are dying younger. Cancer's at an all-time high. So my thing was that was my why. Like I, I realised that we weren't making a difference to the people that, that needed it. All the exciting stuff in our field. It's not about how to take a guy from a thousand-pound squat to a thousand and five. It's you know how can you create fat loss easier like and some of the advice that we've given as a profession i mean you touched on the the steady state aerobics thing it just was not great advice we did our best we meant well yeah but we just never got like we weren't getting it done and and my my own story is about my own mother reaching out to me to help her with a weight loss program and i wrote it when i was in college and i submitted it as part of the class and the paper got an a and my mom died of a heart attack having lost no weight due to the heart attack due to obesity having lost no weight at all mm. so that program that was getting an a from the academic world was getting an f in the real world we weren't getting it done based on what we were learning in college that's the passion and i went to college to be a better athlete to be a better you know martial artist but that's the passion is that the real advances the real challenges that like i think there's a phrase and i can't remember who said it what's the what's the biggest challenge facing your profession right now and are you working on it and if not, why not? Yeah. Right. And the biggest challenge of ours is not improving Mo Farah's 5K time for the the 5,000 meters at the Olympics. It's not that. It's it's improving Mrs. Jones, and her access to good advice and, and good knowledge and smart training and, and supportive exercise and supportive people. Now that's where all the challenges are. That that's where the the real growth in our like for for people who are wanting to make a living in this, that's where the millions of dollars is right now. And, and yeah. yeah, I don't want it to be about money. I don't want to turn this talk into that, but that's where the opportunity lies. And, and that's the exciting stuff. And so many gems in what you just talked about. A couple came up for me when I heard you talk about the connection to your family. I think so many of us get into the fitness, wellness and health worlds because we either experience something in ourselves and our own health and wellness or a family member. And I just want to acknowledge you for that. You know, maybe that was part of looking back the ethos of why you do what you do. Do you still think about that on a regular basis? I think so. I think everybody who's who's making real advances in any field has a, has a, a why behind it. You know, like the skinny kid that was bullied who starts looking at a muscle gaining methodology, you know, yeah. like the guy who, I mean, Bruce Lee really introduced, Bruce Lee died in like, you know, 73. He really introduced mixed martial arts, this, this idea of what's now become the UFC and the MMA world, this limitless combat system. So I think there's always a, a real why that that there's something, usually a shitty story, unfortunately, usually a story of yeah. somebody who's you know gone through things. And I think that, um, I don't want to say that's how you become an expert, but that's the driving force behind it, right? Yes. And I believe most of us have gone through something challenging and that's what kind of forges us, right? It galvanizes us. We had Bedros on the show and he was kind enough to introduce me to yourself to have this interview. And we see this, Alwyn, with leaders in our space, they go through some kind of threshold and it actually fortifies their strength so they can step up and do more. Obviously, you had something happen that most people know about you, but I'd love for you to paint this picture of cancer twice in your life you were foam rolling your leg yeah and then all of a sudden you felt a lump what transpired from there i mean what did that mean for your life i think there's there's a, a search as to the the why a lot of people ask me oh did you change your diet after that and i was like no i was eating well like i have theories as to why you know that's obviously there was no family history of cancer so there has to be some environmental factors there but sometimes it just is right yeah. that I was foam rolling my, my quad and I found a lump, found a knot 
it wasn't releasing and it, you know being a trainer i'm digging into it <laughs> with objects <laughs> to try to <laughs> do a myofascial release on it and yeah. then it's funny is when i look back now like there's a lot of little symptoms that you ignore you know i had you know and sort of anxiety and like tiredness and real fatigue and you know when i went to the doctor and to check it out he goes oh well you know it looks like a fatty deposit it looks like a lipoma he goes you know they happen they're fairly common we'll just cut it out and when i went in to get it cut out these two words sound the same right a lipoma is a, a benign fatty deposit a lymphoma is a cancerous tumor mm-hmm. and you're just waking out under anesthetic they sound the same <laughs> right <laughs> and then he uh, goes we'll do a scan make sure we got it all and they said well you're you're actually in stage four and i was like, all right how many stages are there and it's like uh, just four and i was like oh not great so i did the chemotherapy for um it was really about a six months uh, 18 rounds of, of chemo and uh, i went into remission and I never felt better. I never, I never really improved. I just felt shitty. And you know, a year later, I was having real bad back pain. I was putting heat packs and ice packs on my lower back every day, and to the point where the skin was becoming scarred because it had so much different temperature. But my one-year anniversary, my doctor um, sent me for a scan for a, a checkup, and I'd relapsed. I was back in stage four, mm. and technically I'd relapsed because there was a clear scan showing there was no cancerous activity. But looking back, I wonder, you know, the snapshot that was clear was it back the next day? Was it back a couple of days later? Yeah. I really moved into the hospital. Moved into UCLA uh, out here in California where I live now, and we did a what they call a, a stem cell transplant, which is really just everything in your body starts from a stem cell. So the basic concept is to destroy your body with chemotherapy so that it destroys every last trace of cancer. And then just like we had to do with Skype earlier today, you have to reboot it from scratch in order for it all to work better. So that was just a little over 11 years ago. Man, you said in your post on men's health, the typical discharge is like five weeks at UCLA. The record was 19 days. In your mind, you're like, you know what? I'm going to get out of here in 18 days. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? I remember they just kept saying it's you know, a month to five weeks, a month to five weeks, and I'm like, this is you're in isolation, right? So it's not like you're it's not like you're at home. You're in a little room. It's not like you got a big screen TV, and I mean you're not feeling great. You're not eating well, and you're just stuck in this little room in isolation. So it's a complete like physically it's rough, but mentally it was really rough. And I was like, what is the fastest anyone's ever gotten out? Yeah. And they just kept kind of not wanting to tell me because don't want you to focus on that. I'm like. I want to know what the fastest is. And they're like, it's 19 days. I'm like, then it can be done in 18 days. And they're just like, well, it's normally like five weeks. That was a really rare occurrence. And I mean, it's the power of visualization, right? And the, yeah. the law of attraction. And I, I don't, I'm not really religious, but I'm kind of spiritual like that, that, it, that what you focus on, you can attract. And so they said, if your blood count hits a thousand, your white blood cells hit a thousand, then you can go home. And I was fortunate enough that a lot of people check out of the hospital and you have to live nearby. They move you into accommodation nearby and you have to be there until day 100 after your transplant. You have to be close to the hospital. But I was lucky enough that living in California, I could go home. So I drew a graph on a piece of paper. I'm a science guy, right? And I'm like, if I can get this trend line going, today my blood count's 50. In order to be out here in 18 days, it needs to be at like a 122 or something tomorrow. And it's like 119. I'm like, all right, it's on. Because mm. they checked it every day and they came in and told me and I'd plot it on my graph. And I'm like, 
we're going to get it. And I think I managed to be out in 15 days. Wow. I'd love to say it was just me focusing hard. I mean, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people focused hard and didn't do it. Yeah. So it was a combination of, of that and just, just will. But it was um, it's funny when you focus on something, right? Man, you bring up something so powerful, Alwyn, that we've touched on the show and it's, you know, hard work, but also the law of attraction, like what we focus on grows and it's just tremendous, man. Thank you so much for telling us that story because I didn't actually know that you were a believer with all your academic expertise and all your thousands and thousands of hours on the training floor. I think this emotional intelligence piece is something that I'm really excited to talk to you about today because it seems like you have quite a bit of it. I'm curious how you see that being with trainers, you know, professional trainers. Do you think that emotional intelligence being aware of the law of attraction, being aware that what we focus on grows, is that going to be something that needs to happen when technology takes over our space? Well, I think that there's the balance, right? Because we've got people who are, you know, emotionally intelligent and scientifically ignorant, right? There's some scientific training principles that work, right? Yeah. But there is the, the law of attraction is, um, I'll answer your question fully in a second, but it works in all directions, and this is the, the part that I need people to focus on is that if you grew up wanting to be a competitive martial artist and you went to college to become a better fighter and you moved up over five different weight classes to seek different challenges and you constantly sent this message to the universe that you want to be the greatest fighter that ever lived. You want to be a championship caliber fighter. And this is your only dream. The universe listens and it sends you a fight. Now, I meant like Mike Tyson in a cage match. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean stage four cancer twice. Yeah. But the universe answers the call all the time. Whether you're religious or not, every religion in the world has a phrase, something like, be careful what you wish for. Ask and you shall receive. So while the law of attraction is powerful, you have to understand that everything that you focus on will come to you, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're focusing on being an amazing fighter, the universe is like, I got you. Here's stage four cancer. I'm too tired at work. I need a break. No problem. We'll break your leg. Mm -hmm. That way you have to take six weeks off. Like it'll, it'll answer it in the, in sometimes in a, in a different way. So it's just, I always feel like a responsibility to mention that part because the, the movie The Secret and the book The Secret is always very positive about it. Yeah. I'm like, it's just a force though. It's a law. It works in, in all directions. But it, I think, yeah, there's a, there's a lack of emotional education or for want of a better phrase, a spiritual education amongst trainers because of it's a science-based you know, the field, you know, the other part to remember is that if you read Brian Tracy's The 100 Laws of Business Success, the law of attraction is one of them. There's 99 other ones that you should take a look at as, as well. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like when we have this one hand of technology and fitness academia and the other hand of, hey, what are people really needing right now? What does it look like? Do you know if you're a 21 year old fresh trainer, what it's like to be a 42 year old mother of three that scrapes cheese off of a frying pan at night right before she does five minutes of hit training? Like, what's the real world yeah. producing here in this? How do we connect these dots for real people that need real results that are not exactly having this perfect lifestyle where they can dedicate their entire existence to exercise? Key thing, Josh, is to find their why and not mine, not my agenda. Like if a bottle of wine every night is more important to them than fat loss, then I can't win that, right? I can create fat loss, but in their hierarchy of values, that thing's more important to them. The cookies with the kids on Saturday morning or, or the pancakes with the kids is more important to them. And the understanding of the why is the key because my job is to be a coach. My job is to meet them where they're at. 
And a lot of young trainers in particular, they want to debate their clients because they're more interested in telling them how bad wine is or how bad pancakes are and how you should be in egg whites. They end up wanting to be right. I want to be effective. I want to help and coach and meet people where they're at. And I'll ask them, well, what's the one thing that you can commit to this week that we can focus on together to get you to the next level? I'm ready to talk about branched you know, amino acid supplementation. And, mm-hmm. and they're like, maybe I should drink a couple of cups of water. I don't really drink water. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, let's start there, right? Yeah. And there is the, this, I can remember doing it too, where you're like, you know, out of clients bring me their food journey. I'm like, man, this guy's having like six beers a week. Maybe I should, I think he must be an alcoholic. You know, you got no concept at all. Like when you're 20, you're 25 and you have, you have abs just because you have abs, Absolutely. right? And you, and you train just because you, you like training and you're not trying to do anything and you don't. I remember training for a Taekwondo tournament in college and being tired and waking up in the morning and just skipping classes. Well, I'm just like, I'm too tired. I'm going to rest. You're like, nope, you can't do that as an adult. You got to go to work. Yep. <laughs> Pick the kids up, yeah. right? There's, there's some other responsibilities. So it's really about finding the, the real world plan because it's easy for me to write a six day a week two a day training plan it's easy for me to come up with a diet that even the most disciplined person won't follow i'm like wake up in the morning and you know broil some fresh cod and have that you know with some kale mm. have that for your breakfast at 5 a.m you're like well i don't really want to do that well that sounds extreme to you and i Eating a half a banana sounds just as extreme to the busy mother who doesn't have time in the morning, yeah. right? And that's real coaching. That's the ability. Meet people where they're at and find their why, why they came to you in the first place, and always anchor everything to that. Man, this is so important. Can you walk us through how a new member might be integrated at Results? You guys have a really awesome system there that's proven some of the clients you've been with for 10 to 15 years yeah. at Results. How are you doing this? You've seen the movie Inception? Yeah, great that one. movie, right? The dream within the dream within the dream. <laughs> well, so we start with the, the why behind the why behind the why, right? So you come to me and I'm like, so like, Josh, what are you here for? And you're like, I want to lose like uh, 10 pounds of fat. I'm like, excellent. We do it a little more smooth and this and like, and why is that important to you? And you're like, well, I've got a high school reunion coming up and I just want to look my best friend. All right. And why is that important to you? And you're like, well, the guy that used to bully me is going to be there and I just want to look like a badass. I mean, and yeah. you know, why is it important for you to feel like a badass? Because always been your dream to be a superhero. Hmm. And I'm like, all right, Josh is here to become a superhero. <laughs> He thinks it's the 10 pounds of fat. It might be 15, it might only be five, but it's got nothing to do with that. It's the real why. Yeah. I did that very simply there. Sure. But it's really like, and then I'll, I'll do some stuff, what we call it future pacing. I'm like, so when you've lost the fat, what happens then? Right. But I'm fast forwarding you into the success so that I can see your physiology and your, your mood change. So it's not anything to do with the 10 pounds of fat. It's, it's not getting into the skinny jeans. It's what that does to you as a person. It's what it's going to unlock in their life. It's what they want to be. It's what they want to embody, right? So just because they let go of the weight. No one wants to exercise. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. You may enjoy it as a trainer, but if you're just exercising for the sake of it, well, then it's not the exercise. It's the feeling it gives you, 
right? Yeah. It's that endorphin rush. It's the feeling it gives you that makes you happy. And that's fine. There's no, you don't need to justify it to me. But the majority of people are using exercise and training as a tool of change to change themselves. And we can do that through nutrition, support, and good exercise. But it's, it's really about who are they trying to become? Mrs. Jones wants to be a super sexy mom or she wants to be a badass mom. Right, She wants to be something, and the initial surface thing is lose a few pounds and not have my back hurt is, is the, the why. The, the dad who comes in, who's, he wants to kick his daughter's boyfriend's ass. That's really what he wants to be. <laughs> like He wants to be like, yeah. your daughter just brought home. Like, I, I used to joke um, when I was uh, you know, first dating girls in high school, the first girl I dated and went to her house, I was on TV in Scotland that night, I think, for being winning a taekwondo tournament. It's got to be a weird feeling for a father, right? Yeah. When, when that's the guy who's taking your daughter out and he could kick your ass if you wanted. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right? But there's a part, it's like the digging the below the surface is the, we call it the inception technique. It's the why behind the why behind the why. And then we look at movement. We look at health history. Like, look, why hasn't this happened in the past? Right? There's not like, there's, it's like the nutrition thing, right? Like, does anybody really not know how to eat well? Is anyone really confused that Kentucky Fried Chicken's a worse choice than grilled chicken? Mm-hmm. I don't believe so. I think people like accountability and they need strategies more than they need willpower. Right? They need to like, I'm not going to try to eat all day and eventually you snap and order a pizza. They need strategies. And so it's really like a, my concept is I want to be the last gym they ever join. Like once you walk into my facility, I'm like, I've got you. Yeah. Whatever you need. Not only did you join a gym, you hired an expert to help you. And now I work for you. Man, the strategy over the willpower, that, that's the big gem, Alwyn. It's like if we have the plan, then you need the accountability to connect the plan because knowing is one thing, but then the bridge between knowing and doing, that's big. How do you connect that bridge for people between the knowing of what to do and then actually holding them accountable to do it? But part of that is where I ask them, what can you commit to this week, right? So I let them choose the habit. Right, rather than me saying, here's what we're going to focus on this week. Now, I can do that, and that can be effective for some people. But maybe for you, you're like, let's do a simple one that you're going to, you decided that our thing, the one thing that's going to make a difference is you're going to eat breakfast. I'm like, all right, now what can we do to make that happen? Right, what can we do to make this a 10 out of 10 easy? You're like, well, let's just make breakfast for this first week a protein bar, or let's make it a banana. We don't need the perfect breakfast yet because that's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to eat breakfast. Yeah. We're taking a baby step. Like, what if breakfast was a protein shake? Would that be easy for you? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, now, what if we put the powder and the banana in the blender the night before you go to bed? So you wake up and you just pour water into it. How easy is that? Mm-hmm. That's super easy. I'm like, all right, why don't we put the blender in the fridge Next to the milk where you're getting that out for the kids or whatever you're doing in the morning or next to the coffee for you getting coffee ready so that it's there right in front of you and this is a no-brainer. So it's honestly like it sounds so simple, but that's one step. And once we achieve that, let's just say it takes me a week to get you doing that. There's another step. Well, a year in, we made 52 changes alongside our exercise program. Yeah, That's impactful. The key thing is is creating the little habit, creating the strategy. Like, who would honestly not like a pizza on a Saturday night when they're starving? Everybody wants, wants to eat everybody that. Everybody wants right? a pizza. Of course. It's, a, it's a amazing, delicious food from the gods, and everybody wants it. 
But if you ate chicken and vegetables at 2.30, even if you weren't hungry, now you're not hungry for the pizza. The pizza only became something you wanted because of a habit of not eating on a Saturday afternoon or, or whatever day it is. For then you're super hungry and we didn't grocery shop on Sunday like we were supposed to. So we don't have any food in. So now we default to, I've got to go order a chicken salad. And now willpower, which is in short supply and is depleting all the time, has run out and we just ordered the pizza and we ruin our fat loss strategy for the day. But if we'd put strategies in place, like we always have almonds and string cheese at two o'clock or whatever it is, right? Then yeah. we create this, this system of support. And it's honestly just building this little fence around your members of a community environment where they like not only you and the other members, they get recognized for their little wins. They trust me and they know that I care. And if you've got those fences up, then you keep your clients for forever. Man, this is so powerful. I cannot emphasize enough that this community aspect that Alwyn's talking about, it's the only thing that I've seen be the glue towards people getting what they actually want. But can you share with us the myth between steady state and hit? I mean, which one is it? Which one's going to produce and yield the most weight loss? For weight loss, the overall thing, and this is this gets lost a little bit, is that it's still about a caloric deficit. It's still about the law of thermodynamics. So the question is, is what are we trying to do here? So a lot of the research on, on aerobic work looked at health parameters and we looked at skinny endurance athletes and we looked at their bodies and we tried to retro-engineer that. If an endurance athlete is healthy and looks skinny, then we could do that and take a fat deconditioned person and make them skinny by doing this type of exercise, right? Now, there's a whole bunch of anecdotal stuff. There's a whole bunch of things out there that people have told you it works, it doesn't work. But when you actually look at the research, it is overwhelmingly disappointing mm. that aerobic exercise has a negligible effect on weight loss. Being from a more scientific background or, or practical background, I, I guess, is that I, I don't have any attachment to that. That's just a finding. Yeah. Like soda is this, a beer is this, water is this. There's no... It doesn't matter what you think of those things. That's just facts. Aerobic exercise based on the research has a very negligible effect on body composition. High-intensity interval training seems to have a more profound effect. That's just a finding. So at the time that I was saying this, and it was also a little easier to get heard you know, back when I started, there wasn't a whole lot of noise or on the internet. Yeah, the ocean of information was not as big. So I, I could say something and it's like suddenly you become known for this. And I'm like, it's, mm. I'm not the only guy saying this and I'm not the only person who understands it. But yeah. right now I have a platform and everybody's hearing it. Given a finite amount of time with a real client, which is the part that I think gets missed with my statements is I've got Mrs. Jones three hours a week. I have to get it done or I can't pay my bills. And she leaves me. What activities make the most sense given that? the diet will be consistent. I've got three hours of activity. Well, as I started to look at it and I started to test different things, it started to really look a lot like interval training was far superior to steady state. But beyond that, strength training in an interval format, so it was more like a circuit training or a superset style, was superior still. So I wrote probably 12 years ago an article called The Hierarchy of Fat Loss, which has a few changes to it now, but it, it kind of holds true is that if you only had an hour a week with a client, what would you do? Would you tell them to go for a walk? That would be dumb, right? 
So it's it's always been through that filter of what's the reality here? What how long do I have? Does aerobic exercise work? Sure, but in the hierarchy, it's very negligible. Strength training in, in an interval format, which we always r- refer to as metabolic resistance training, made up term just to define it from traditional strength training or traditional bodybuilding, yep. right? That it was it was more of a circuit training. That was our number one go-to activity. But at a certain point, you can't add more strength training. You can't add more muscular damaging work. So if you have a little more time, what's the next thing you add? And it would be high intensity interval training where I could do it on a bike or a treadmill, maybe not hammer the muscles so much, but hammer the metabolism and still get that real disruptive high intensity effect. And then at some level, if I was working on a show like The Biggest Loser where I got somebody for six hours a day, yeah, there's a place for going for a walk and just being active. Right? There's a there's a huge place for just being active. But the reality is is most of my clients, I'm getting in the two to four hours per week range. Mm-hmm. There's 168 hours a week. I'm getting them for two to four for exercises that that limits it's not that aerobic exercise doesn't work, it's that it doesn't work as well as something else. And the, the critics always come out is that if you burn five hundred calories, it doesn't matter how you burn it. Sure. But burning it from aerobic exercise takes up a lot more of my four hours than it does from strength training or or high-intensity interval training. This is what I appreciate about you so much, man, is you take these huge concepts and you boil them down into just easy to digest sentences like that one. I'm curious, though, when we look at the body types, you know, somebody like myself, I'm an endomorph, ectomorphs, mesomorphs, they tend to do more yoga than I do, (laughs) especially (laughs) effectively, right? Does it matter what kind of a body type we have when we look at doing the HIIT training or the circuit training versus the steady state? Does that really matter as far as longevity and wellness and letting go of old weight? Well, I, I think that it does, but it, and not in a way that you may expect. I think it does because it, it, it'll be what you enjoy. I was getting back to the emotional intelligence part, right? If I give you the, the ultimate training program for you, Josh, and it looks a lot like stuff you hate, I can predict how that ends. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right? You're like, this is miserable. I don't want to do this. So there's a part where you, you see like, you know, these people, like they prefer this type of training. So I like to think of it in terms of principles. The phrase that, that we use, which is from, you know, from uh, Emerson, is that, that methods are many and principles are few. The methods can change, but the principles never do. I yeah. can create a metabolic demanding interval type workout to burn body fat mm-hmm. using Pilates techniques. Like I could set that up. Now, it's one of the reasons that you see like ropes and kettlebells becoming very popular and, and sleds because that was non-traditional exercise. Right? How much could you be able to swing? What kind of rope could you be able to do? Like people knew bench press and squats, and they didn't like it, and yeah. don't want to be compared. So the type of exercise can can change very dramatically. But it's also if you're an endurance athlete training for an endurance event, and, and this is again the part that sometimes gets missed is I remember reading that we don't do any aerobic exercise with with clients at Results Fitness, and I'm like that's not even remotely true. Our fat loss program has very little aerobic exercise in it, but our runners run. Our triathletes run and cycle and swim. Yeah. We've got people training for you know obstacle course races and things like that, and you need to do cardio. You need to do traditional steady state cardio and usually hard cardio. Mm-hmm. Right. So it sits down with you, like what's your why and and why is that important to you and why is that important to you and why is that important to you? And I figure out your real why and then I try to figure out things that you enjoy and would you like a more structured training program or a little more, you know, progressive where we're doing a little different things? Do you like, you know, 
like charts? Would you like to see what your 1RM is? Do you like to be compared to others? Do you like three sets of 10? Or would you like to work for four rounds of 40 seconds where it's just completely different? And I build that around things that are going to work for you and your why. And then we create something that's just, you're, you're happy with it, but it doesn't violate any training principles for me. I got to ask you this question because I'm curious if this ever comes up in your client base. Some people, they want the perfect plan, which obviously never exists, but they want this plan where it's so detailed, so regimented, so structured that subconsciously they kind of know they're not going to execute it. Have you come across this where people want the perfect plan only to self-sabotage themselves? You do get it, but you circumvent it right at the beginning by explaining to them, I work for you. Your job right now is to let me handle that. I've got the perfect plan and I'm ready. Mm. And here's how we, it's the whole idea is that part of this is you no longer need to worry about this. I've got you. There's different types of 16 personality types based on the Myers-Briggs formula, but we can put them in a four buckets, right? You're either, you know, fact or logic based or you're emotion and relationship based and you're either an introvert or an extrovert. So if you think of that as a grid, a fact extrovert, likes to know about the facts and figures. A fact introvert likes to be reminded of the science behind it. The relationship introvert just wants to fit in. The relationship extrovert just wants to have fun. So if the science behind it is important to you and you're fact extro, I'll say, as I'm sure you're aware, Josh, interval training has been shown to be superior. So that's going to be the cornerstone of your training program. And I'm going to take care of the periodization for you. And I'll explain that as you need the fact introvert, I'll explain the science and they'll just nod. Relationship people, I'm like, we're going to have a good time. This is the best training program. I love that you brought up the personality types as well. The personality types are just as important as the training itself. It's knowing how to talk to people. One of the cool things that I was looking at before we interviewed today was this precision nutrition. It was an eight-week program. You guys used the TRX interval cardio, steady state, no matter what the people did, you actually found that equating total exercise time, if you're doing intensity, progressive strength, conditioning, you got to choose which program you like. (laughs) That was the findings from the program. Can you tell us what that was with precision nutrition? The thing I remember most about it was that we weren't paying anyone to do this program. So there was a dropout rate in every group. The least dropout rate, I believe, was was the TRX training group. Uh, everybody did a strength training program and everybody did, you know, the standardized diet. But the least dropout rate, I believe, was the TRX group. Then it was the interval training group. And the biggest dropout rate was the steady state aerobics group. They dropped out more than any others. Yeah. Now, that doesn't tell me anything other than most of the participants in this little study we did hated that type of training and quit. Shocker. Imagine if you knew that information up front, that if you did this program with these clients, regardless of effectiveness, 80% of them are going to leave you. Would you change the program as a trainer? Of course you would. Even if it was a worse program, of course you would. Because a program not followed is the same as no program at all. So that was the one there. Now, could we have seen the reverse? Precision Nutrition and, and myself and the TRX guys, maybe we attract an audience that prefers interval training and the TRX stuff. Had we been Runner's World doing this, right, or Running Magazine, yeah. then perhaps we'd have seen the reverse. But this is the part where regardless of effectiveness, now the, the steady state aerobics group did basically did more work than the higher intensity groups in terms of time. That's why we, we equated it. So it became that they did about it. So it's there is finding this, what is it that people like? And then can you apply scientific principles to it? So it's 
it's really when you start understanding personality types, like it, beyond like how to communicate to people, what exercise would they prefer? Do they prefer group exercise or do they prefer one-on-one? Yeah. And what a lot of people think is introverts wouldn't like groups. Introverts love groups because they can blend in and not be noticed. They don't like one-on-one because they're the center of attention the whole mm-hmm. time. So your instincts are, though, they'll prefer to be on their own. They actually don't. They prefer to blend in. And my job is to give them good coaching without making them feel uncomfortable. Because if they feel uncomfortable when I force them to stand in the middle of the class and everybody to see them exercise, then they quit, regardless of how good my programming is. Man, it's knowing somebody at their deepest core. And I loved how you've touched on this many times in the interview today. I'm curious when we look at this OCR component, you know, Spartan Race is huge right now. And before we actually jumped on this recording, you would talk to me, wow, this is growing more than I actually thought it would. You have noticed this more than any other trend in the fitness industry. Can you talk about why you think the obstacle horse racing is here to stay and here to grow? The numbers cannot be disputed. There's a local race here and there'll be 10,000 people each day paying 200 bucks each. So regardless of the, the business model these people are doing, this has been popular, right? That the, um, the market never lies, right? The market decides. The market has decided this thing is here for it to stay. My, my reasons for it, I think, is at the top level, no one's really breaking through with anything cool and training yet. So you're just getting people who were good athletes at other sports kind of crossing over. Similar to what happened with the original CrossFit Games, these guys were stud college athletes that moved into this sport. Similar to what happened with the UFC, great college wrestlers moving into another sport, great jiu-jitsu fighters. So it's still in its infancy. I think it creates a, a badass effect that a 5K doesn't. Right? There's a little yeah. strength component. There's a little challenge component. There's jumping over a firewall. There's crawling under barbed wire. It's kind of like how the tie bow and the boxer size classes came up. That you could be a fighter without really being a fighter. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and partly why some of the early boot camp models were just guys pretending to be soldiers and shout at you. Right? Mm-hmm. That you could pretend you're in the military. This is about. It's a challenge for people. It's a physical challenge. You have to train for it. It's not boring. It's a little unpredictable. But at the end of it, you feel something special. You don't feel like, I just did a 5K and my time was 23 minutes. You're like, I'm a Spartan. Yeah. I'm a tough mudder. I just I'm had an experience. Maniac, it's right? an experience training, right? Yeah. It's like, it's more than just, Hey, I benched 275 for 10. I mean, it's a real visceral feeling. And I earlier this year for my birthday, for my 37th Elwin, I did the, uh, seal fit 20 X, which is a 14 hour crucible. Mm-hmm. So I know exactly what you're talking about, man. I'm curious with your running, you posted on Instagram that you completed your 19th race for 2017. Your goal is 26 for the year. What's your ethos there? I mean, why do you do that? One of the things I always talk to my my younger coaches is, do you do you practice what you preach? And most trainers think that means, oh, I eat right and I exercise and I do things. I'm like, well, that's not what you preach. What you preach is two things. One, you should hire a coach for things that you're not good at because that's what you sell, right? You should invest in coaches for what you do and what, what you, you focus on. Like, so if your finances are bad, you should have a financial planner to help you. If your relationship is bad, you should have a relationship coach. If your business is bad, a business coach. So that's the first part. The second part is at Results Fitness, we believe in training, not exercising, training. Exercising is doing something to burn calories and jump around. Working out is a little more structured. Training has a direction. What are you training for? 
right? Now, if you're training for fat loss, that's a completely acceptable goal. But if we were any good at that, eventually you lose the fat, right? And we've got you in decent shape and I got to have something else for you. What's next? Yeah. So what are we, what are we doing now? What are we training for? And what it was is that my um, competitive martial arts days are over and I was just training uh, after cancer. I was training for certain health markers. And then beyond that, this was just a, uh, the 5K to, you know, just under the 10K level of either trail runs or road runs, they're short enough that I don't have to become a runner and do a lot of running, which I don't particularly enjoy. I don't hate it. I don't particularly enjoy. Yeah. But it gave me a scorecard for training. If I get a little stronger, a little faster, a little leaner, a little more agile, then my time will be better at this race. If I'm a little do this, my time's a little worse. So really, it was to give me some direction in my own training. Actually, I've done I did one mud run with my my team, and I've done a, doing another one this weekend actually. And we're doing a, a indoor, it's not an indoor, it's a stadium Spartan race, which is that just sounds awesome. It's an obstacle course race without the mud. There's basically I, like it's inside the stadium, so we have a lot of stair running and stuff. Yeah. But it just was really to give me like a. Like if you're just training to maintain your body composition, you're not going to pay my fees at Results Fitness, first of all, right? And you're probably not going to get up driven at 6 a.m. with the entire goal is just to maintain. So there's a part there where, like I said, some of this OCR stuff is very exciting for people and and I I like it. So for me, it was honestly just finding my own, um, a little direction to my my own training. um, Certain, certain things, um, my wife did the, the strong first kettlebell certification, and I'll be honest, she did it because of that 100 snatch kettlebell challenge. That was why she did it, like yeah. train for that and do that. The, the instruction part was she learned a lot and thinks the instructors are great and loves the curriculum, but she went to set a goal of doing passing that 100 snatch test. Man, the energetic cord of why we do what the heck we do, whether it's in our life or our career or in our physicality and training. I have to ask you, Alwyn, you got over cancer. 2017, there's an estimate, 1.7 new cancer cases diagnosed, 700K cancer deaths in the USA alone. What new ways of being, what training, what kind of pathway did this create for you in your life? How do you see life now after overcoming? It's a a phrase that I I really got from Lance Armstrong that after cancer, there are no bad days. There are only good days and great days. What what happened this morning? You were were late for your first training appointment because traffic was bad and it was raining. Go down to the cancer ward and tell those kids in there who are fighting for their lives how miserable your day is. Right, go on, go on. Do you have the guts to do that? <laughs> right, so that's the the direction, and it's part of it is are we are we fighting a, a losing battle against cancer, or are we identifying more and more of it because of early detection? I don't know, but what can I control? I can only control the controllables, right? Yeah, and and that's my job. Is it? It starts with only good days and great days. I start from a position of gratitude and happiness, and and a. I work from there. You don't have to go through that to hopefully get the lessons that I've had, right? I hope that people can get that, that you don't have to go face-to-face with your own mortality to appreciate your your life. If one in a thousand makes it, right? If one in 5,000 makes it, one in 10,000 makes it, why not you? Why are you not that one, right? I can remember looking around and the the first time I did chemo, you, you do it like in a... You're in like an outpatient area. So there's a bunch of people um, getting the infusion at the same time. And I remember something like, uh, you know, six people 
weren't going to make it. Like I remember that seeing reading this stat, and there's ten of us in the room, and I'm like, who? I wonder who the other three that are going to make it are. No question, one was going to be me, right? Just this, this, you know, you come from that, and it, positive mindset is important, right? And there's, does it help? Well, I know negative mindset hurts, right? <laughs> yes, that, that's the more important thing. But you, you still have to train it. You catch yourself saying something negative, you have to say cancel. Man. And you have to train the positive, but you you have to train it like a muscle. You have to train your thoughts like a muscle. And you have to understand the law of attraction. Every thought you have is programming. You're programming yourself to, to do something. And you, you can't stop a negative thought, like try to stop a freight train. You can only redirect it. Absolutely. Right? And, and turn it into a positive, right? Man, that is a concept we've talked about on the show so much, Alwyn. And I just want to thank you right now because you just reminded everyone how important it is to just breathe through the thinking. A lot of times things come up, whether you're a fitness professional or just somebody in the process of their wellness journey, thoughts aren't always of service. <laughs> They're not always yeah. serving our best interests. So thank you for that reminder, man. Me and one of my, my uh, managers, we talk about this thing is that we, you fill in the gaps, right? Where we let a staff member go. And a client had called. We were actually training at the time. We, a client had called. They wanted to talk about the guy we just let go. And we started talking and we were like, well, if he says this, we should tell him this. And if he does that, we should tell him that. And suddenly we're on, we're writing the script for Friday the 13th, part 19, right? We fast forwarded so much. And this client called and goes, hey, um, who's going to be training me going forward? We are like, oh, this person really goes, cool. That was all. Thanks, guys. <laughs> and we hmm. spent all this bandwidth, right, on filling in the gaps of things that, and making up stories and just and putting things in with runaway thoughts, with no data, nothing to support it. Yeah. Like so, it, it's important to like let's we we control the controllables. Otherwise, we're just making stuff up. It's complete assumption. It's it's just we just a client called. That's all the data we have. <laughs> Man, it can be a runaway train. Yeah, yeah, because one thought leads to another. And I think this relates to a lot of people when we brought up self-sabotage earlier. Like sometimes people just need trust, Owen. And I feel like you just create so much space for people to feel that trust, man. So I just want to acknowledge that for you. And we Thank have you. seven questions in our last round for the show. This is where we're going to get to know you a little bit deeper. Are you ready, man? Boom, I'm ready. There's a lot of distractions in our world. What do you personally do, Owen, to stay grounded and focused in this busy world? Remember your why? why you're doing this i get asked a lot about how do you how do you get so many things done it's because i do very little other than things that move me towards my goals and um, whether it's personal goals or, or business goals somebody's listening to you they're feeling as freaking inspired as i am what's a step they can take right now to begin a new wellness program my first step would be to hire a good trainer maybe not forever and maybe not often but you're hiring somebody to work for you Right. I had a client um, recently and he was doing a body comp test and I, I said to him, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm going to try something. I'm going to try an experiment. I'm like, oh, cool. What are you going to try? He said, oh, I'll tell you if it works. And I'm like, that's, that's completely fine. Just remember I work for you and I've probably heard of this thing that you're going to try. Right. So I think if you're really inspired and you want to get on it, you know, hire someone, bring an expert into your life and you deserve that. You deserve to have someone working for you and your health goals especially with all the things that the earth demands from us, the responsibilities of our society demands from us. You're right, man. I mean, if people don't have the support they deserve, how are they supposed to do it? They can't do it alone. Exactly. You either are going to become an expert or hire one. There's your options. And it's so much right now, find, find somebody good. They, they'll, you, you deserve it. You deserve to have yeah. somebody working for you. you. You would take your car to an expert. 
you get your hair cut by somebody who's good at it, hopefully, and uh, you, your body deserves it too. What mental training do you engage in now? I mean, how do you keep your mind sharp? That's an excellent one. Um, it's programmed downtime. Like it's programmed that, that uh, Rachel and I have this like, with different areas, like time with each other, time with family and friends, self-care, which is your, you know, your fitness program. There's, there's money-making time, obviously, because that's part of it. And then there's, there's fun time. And there's also a, a long time, like recharge. I'm a, I think an extrovert needs to recharge by having some alone time. Yeah. And an introvert needs to recharge by everything's built up and they need some extrovert time. So it's really this understanding of, of a balance that – you know, doing training with people can be useful and training on your own can be useful. Uh, reading is still just amazing to me. Yeah. Like a, a, I know how long a book takes to write and I can read it in a week. Okay, it's half his life in that book. And that's just so transformative to me. So it's, uh, but again, it's, um, everything's about what are we, what's the why behind the why behind the why? Why are yeah. we doing this stuff? And then you, you get focused. But it's, I think um, for most people, it's having the, the, if you want ever see one of these personal development planners, it's like a wheel. And where is your, the spokes on your wheel broken? Where are you, you know, falling off a little bit? And is it is it downtime? Is it is it fun time? Is it you know time with your partner, time with your friends, time with family? Yeah. Uh, so it's usually making sure that you're. I don't believe in balance. You're, I think you're constantly out of balance, but you're always looking as to where where to juggle. You know. That was a truth explosion. We're never in perfect balance. We're always balancing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the real quest, right? So you're a mentor to so many people, Alwyn. Who's a mentor to you? I was fortunate enough to just go and and uh, see him uh, recently. My Taekwondo instructor, Derek Campbell, back in Scotland, has absolutely changed the direction of a young kid's life. Um, we couldn't afford lessons. And he stopped charging us for lessons, and I became an assistant instructor. And I went on to to compete at, at national level, uh, win seven British titles, uh, European and world medals, become a fourth degree black belt, and moved to the United States as a as a result of it. Just because I don't think uh, he saw any talent in me, mm. he just because he was a, a good person, and I still want to be him when when I grow up. He's uh, he's my my biggest inspiration still. What do you think about balancing wellness now for happiness in life? And how do you do that? I mean, what are a handful of things that are most important for you to achieve that continuous balancing? Whenever I'm feeling out of balance, is it not enough time with, with Rachel, not enough time with, with my wife, not enough to have feeling a little out of balance recently because I hadn't been back to Scotland in a long time and I hadn't seen my dad for a while. And like, that's like a little bucket. And then if you're not training for something that self-care area i think collapses so it's a it's a continuous sort of you know introspection as to where am i dropping the ball right now like i i cut back on a lot of my traveling to speak which uh changes part of our our income for our business that i had to replace in other ways i think wellness is this complete you know holistic balance right where some of its relationships some of its some of its health it's like what is fitness yeah. fitness for a power lifter would not prepare him for a, a marathon and vice versa but i would describe both those people as fit so wellness is i think is this complete balance where you're you know your your finances are healthy your relationships are healthy your body's healthy and your your head is healthy and any time that you feel kind of squirmy or anxious, probably one of those things are, are out of balance. 
What would you change about the fitness industry specifically? Any of the beliefs out there that just aren't true? Uh, basically, how would you get rid of the bullshit if you had the power at a policy level? <laughs> I would just say all bullshitters need to get out. <laughs> Ta-da! Like that's, you know, honestly, it would be, I, I would, if we introduced it, it was a national law that you, people paid for results delivered, not upfront. I think we would see a lot of people go under. Right. And the, the good people would, would exist. And if I could have amazing powers, I would make it that it was free for everybody who wanted it. Not that trainers would not make a lot of money. They would. Good trainers would make a lot of money. But this would be accessible for, for everyone because the government of the world would feel it was so important for world health that it should be, you know, an inalienable human right to have access to exercise professionals. Man, so powerful. And I want to ask you this last question. I ask every guest. You already touched on it a little bit, but I want to preface it with this phrase from the dark night of the soul, which you've had many. And I think a lot of people listening have had those too, but they've transcended. They've overcome. And it's this phrase, dark night of the soul. It comes from a poem, uh, St. John of the Cross. He was a monk and a mystic. And this dark night of the soul outlines the journey of all of us from distraction, entanglements to find peace. And that's what I really feel from you, Alwyn. How do you craft peace and how much of your peace flows into your wellness? How would you define wellness and peace? Wellness, I think, is this holistic balance. And when you're in balance, you just feel right. You just feel right. Like it's not like, can you describe balancing on a on a bicycle? Right. You just know when you're in that zone, right? Yeah. Like you just know know when you're there. So it's it's all about balance and feeling in it. And then those the the dark night stuff is true. I, I've had a few, but in the history of the, I think this line is from Jim Rohn. In the history of the seasons, no matter how bleak the winter has been, there has never, ever been a double winter. The spring always comes. Mm. That's my sort of, when you find that, when we're not in balance, just know that it's temporary and the spring always comes. Alwyn Cosgrove, thanks so much, man, for sharing your heart and your talents with us and your gifts on Wellness Force Radio. People can learn more about you at resultsfitness.com. What are you most stoked for, for the rest of 2017? We have two things. We have a mentorship coming up, which is really for trainers and business owners to come out and see what we do on, on a business level and how we deliver our, our stuff to our clients, which is what, the question I get asked a lot is, why haven't you franchised? And I feel like there's enough gyms in the world. They just need better people in them. Mm-hmm. And that's where my mentorship comes in. And I'm also super excited at uh, resultsfitnessinternship.com is that we're taking another group of interns uh, this fall. Uh, we've only, usually only done an internship once a year and we're starting to do it all, all year round, which is I, I really have created the program that I wish I'd had when I started out. That's, that's what I'm most proud of. And I'm excited to see our, our next group of interns and, and hopefully, you know, get them started on the path to being awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your truth and for helping guide me in the first few years of my training career. Really appreciate you so much. Cheers, Josh. Thanks for having me, man. I loved it. Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now, simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. 
For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force community newsletter on that page and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.